just a really great leader in this space. So we're really happy to welcome Chris Schindler to our conversation today. So welcome, Chris. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Kim. Um, I was happy to be able to join today and you know share some of what we're doing for our field services program. We also like that you've joined us from the safety of your car in a socially distancing way. Yeah, this is my this is my second office. Is uh, one of my car or one of the vans at this point? <laughs> so, do you spend most of your time as vice president of field services? Are you literally out in the field, or do you find yourself in an office the majority of the time? Because I see you on Facebook out there saving animals constantly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it varies. Um, you know, I have a really incredible team that I'm really thankful for, you know, our animal control, humane law enforcement, our investigators, and that also goes for our New Jersey teams. And so, you know, you know me, I'm always ready to go out in the field. And so whenever they need me, I'm, I'm there and I'm available. And it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning, I'll, you know, I'll get up and come out. And so my time is really split. It just every day is different. Um, you know, we do 50 to 100 calls a day. And so every day is different. Chris, we're hearing um, shelters and animal control officers saying that um, since the COVID-19 crisis started, field calls have dropped significantly. Why do you think that phenomenon is happening? You know, I would say because similarly here, um, we had actually year by year, our trajectory had been a higher call volume every year. It's been going up. and. Every month this year, up until March, our call volume was on track to be higher. And this, you know, March and April has been about the same as last year, um, which is, you know, for us, a decline in calls this year. Um, and I think part of it is people are, you know, practicing social distancing. And so a lot of people are staying in their homes. And normally we see an uptick in calls during some holidays when people are out and about and doing things and they see things. And I think more people are staying inside, and so they're seeing less. How are your field officers doing? Like, how, how are they right now? It's a really scary time to be a field officer. How are they coping with it? How are you, how are you managing them and, and giving them the confidence to get out there and, and, and do their job, which is very scary right now? Yeah, I mean, it is, and there's obviously a lot of concerns, and I'm incredibly fortunate. I mean, my team, you know, fully appreciates and recognizes the service that we provide to our community and how essential those services are. And so what we've been doing is providing, you know, we changed some of our protocols, you know, if you don't have to go into a house, don't enter into a home, you know, if people are able to bring animals outside to bring them outside, if we have to interact in that way. And obviously there are some calls where we have to go into a home. If there's a raccoon in someone's house, we're not going to have a member of the community uh, of the public do that. Um, but we've also outfitted all of our officers with proper PPE, so uh, they have N95 masks for when they're needed. Um, they have Tyvek suits and gloves and uh, Excel and Excel wipes and things of that nature so that we can make sure we're providing them as many of the protection tools that they can utilize in the field to keep them safe. Hmm. So have you had any challenges so far in extracting an animal out of a COVID-19 positive household. And I'm asking this because we are, we're hearing a lot of fear from across the country. We're yeah. hearing animal control officers, they're, they're uncomfortable with this. Um, you know, how are your officers feeling about it? 
Yeah, I mean, that's it's certainly a concern, I think, from all of our, you know, field staff, which is why we, you know, had early on developed, you know, at the beginning of this, developed protocols for if there was an instance where we had to enter a home and outfitted them with all the PPE, but also that they're not supposed to, if we get a call like that, you know, they're supposed to call uh, either our director of animal control or director of field services or myself, you know, so we can talk through, you know, what that plan looks like and whether or not it really is necessary to enter the home, whether there are other alternatives. Um, we just got our first call today in New Jersey um, for an animal um, with a potential exposure. And, you know, for that call in particular, we were able to have um, the person put the cat in a carrier, uh, bring the carrier outside, and then our officers were, you know, the person was able to go back inside their home. Our officers were able to go with their PPE on, were able to wipe down the cat carrier with Excel wipes um, so that we could then transport the cat to our shelter. And then on the other end, we have, you know, procedures and protocols at the shelter for, um, you know, keeping those animals in a separate area. So is this your first COVID-19 positive household pet at the shelter? Yes, that, that was the first um, call that we had received um, was today, actually or earlier today. Yeah, I mean, I think our typical approach to our calls that we're handling right now is, you know, practicing social distancing where we can. You know, if it's a call in which we don't need to enter a house, like, for example, if we have an animal that's on quarantine and we need to either do, you know, the first health check or the second health check for the quarantine, uh, some of that we can do through FaceTime. Some of that we could do through a window or things like that where we don't necessarily have to enter the home, whereas we would normally would have entered the home and, you know, had a discussion with the owner. And so a lot of these things we're doing by phone or FaceTime if we can uh, for calls in which we need to respond to the scene. You know, our officers are, you know, empowered to use really good judgment of knowing when they have to enter in a home and when they don't. And so obviously if an animal is fractious or dangerous, we're not going to put someone at risk to engage, you know, from the public. And so our officers will have to handle that situation directly, even if that means entering uh, into a home. But that's why we also made sure that we're equipping them with uh, the proper personal protection equipment so that if they need to do that, they can. You know, normally I have uh, my animal control officers, my animal control investigators and dispatch all work out of one, one building. Um, we've separated out our animal control investigators are working out of a separate space by themselves. Our ACOs are doing their notes on the laptops and trucks. Our dispatch office is just dispatchers. Um, our humane law enforcement officers are not coming uh, to our other facilities. And so we've been trying to separate out staff as much as we can. Um, and, you know, using frequent cleaning, you know, of, uh, of cleaning all contact surfaces, which I think really helps, you know, to keep our staff healthy right now. Okay. If you could do a, a one or two minute message to the animal control officers and law enforcement officials that are out there doing the job that your team is doing now, what words of motivation do you have for them to help them to get through this? You know, for me, when looking to others who are in this field who are dealing with this really scary time, it's looking for these things that really give you hope, right? Seeing members of our community step up and seeing, you know, how much people deeply care about the animals in their community and the people, I think has been really incredible and inspiring for our officers. You know, we had, um, I think I shared with you briefly, this little 18 year old dog that fell in the sewer um, that 
took six hours to recover this little dog. And we had, you know, people from the neighborhood trying to help. We had our officers out there, DC uh, Water and Sewer Authority, and finding this dog and rescuing this dog, you know, brought kind of all these different teams together to really give some hope in this really scary time for everybody that there are these really incredible things that happen every day. And so I would say look for those things and those moments um, because those are really incredible and help us really see that there is a path forward. That's excellent advice. How has the social distancing impacted your ability to conduct cruelty investigations? I mean, for our animal cruelty investigations, we, you know, consider that an essential, you know, service, um, both to the animals of our community and the people of our community. And so we're still executing search warrants. Um, we're still pursuing, you know, our cases, but we are, you know, doing it smartly. You know, if we go to a home in which we think somebody could have been exposed, then we're determining how we may be able to handle that call without having to expose our officers so that, you know, oftentimes we get calls where we're not really sure whether the allegation is correct or not. And so there are some things we can do to try and vet out that call um, to make sure that we're not exposing our officers unnecessarily. Well, you tell us Beetlejuice's story. So Beetlejuice, interestingly enough, was found as a stray in Arlington, Virginia. So my wife is the, Amy, is the chief operating officer at Arlington, our Animal Welfare League of Arlington. And he was found as a stray and he, you know, was matted and in generally poor condition and no one ever came forward to claim him. And Amy, I think, fell in love with him um, while he was at the shelter. And so then she decided, the day she decided to adopt him, she literally went out of town for like a week. And so I had to go to a shelter and pick him up and bring him home and uh, deal with his judging personality, which I had not met yet. <laughs> um, which was, we had an interesting first week together, Beetlejuice and I. How long has Beetlejuice been with you guys now? Oh man, I think it's just like last week, I think it was a year uh, yeah. since we adopted him. Yeah, and so we've had, there's so much stuff that I can't even ever get to share all of the weird things that he does, but I try and share where I can because then people start bothering me, asking me to share more Beetlejuice, so. So thank you for sharing your experience with us today, and we hope we'll continue to speak with you moving forward. Well, thank you both uh, for having me on today. Um, I really appreciate it, and I hope that you know, if anyone else out there in the field needs something, um, you know, we're always happy to share, you know, anything that we can, uh, SOPs or otherwise, that may help others. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, you take Thanks. good care of yourself, good care of Amy, Beetlejuice, Gus, and the other animals. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you again soon. So stay safe. All right. Stay safe, you, you as well.